0: As I said before, welcome to what we call the well. And if you're just joining us here the first time, the reason we call this the well is the first time we gathered together as a church. It was the Sunday where we talked about the Samaritan woman, and we saw the story of the Samaritan woman was a perfect story of who we are as a church. Because what happened in that story, there was an ordinary place, a well, where an ordinary lady came on an ordinary day, but because she met Jesus there, something extraordinary took place. And that's what we want our church to be, an ordinary place where extraordinary things happen due to the presence of God in our midst. Last week, we started off a series that we'll be doing for the next several weeks called We Are STSA. And the series is all about who we are as a church and our core values. And we have 10 core values here in this church. Last week, we talked about the first core value, which is... Last week we talked about the first core value, which is limitless acceptance. acceptance. Okay, someone said unlimited acceptance. Let's go limitless, all right? Limitless acceptance. So what we said last week is that this one, with all the core values here in the church, you'll see that they're big. Okay, they're not little, they're big. And the reason why they are big is because we believe that God is calling us to do big things. And in order for us to do big things, we let me say it differently in order for us to do great things we ourselves must become great people and we're going to do that by challenging ourselves to become the same kind of church that acts two was so limitless acceptance was the first one as y'all said read this together with me limitless acceptance we believe that every person who enters our church is the most important person in the world that person is sent by god and should be loved and accepted as such we don't believe that anyone comes here by accident. We will accept everyone and love everyone who comes here, not because of who they are, but because who their dad is. And who their dad is, as I alluded to in the sermon, we're going to treat them as children of a big gorilla. All right? That's how we are going to treat every single person who comes in this door. And we will not have cliques. We will not have gossiping. We will not have slandering. We will not turn anyone away because it is not our right to do so. That's our first core value. Our second core value we're going to talk about today is authentic community. And as it says in your handout, we believe that God created the church to fulfill our relational needs in addition to our spiritual needs. We reject superficiality in relationships with one another just as we reject superficiality in our relationship with God. Said another way, we believe that God made us as relational People, and he did make us as relational people And God made the church to fulfill those relational needs And I'm going to talk about what that means today But the key word, community and authentic Alright, community, not just community but authentic community And we're going to try to see what that means today Today I'm not giving a topic I don't want you to understand a topic today I want to do like a revolution in your head Because I want to change the way you think about life. Because usually, most of us are kind of trained to think about life and success in life as like an independent, me kind of a thing. We think about it in terms of what I accomplished, and what I was able to do, and what I got going for me. Life is not about accomplishments, life is about relationships and i want to change your way of thinking from this independent mindset to an interdependent mindset think about it this way <clears throat> what is it that makes life good what makes life good what makes life like quality when can i say like i got a good quality of life if i have a good job and a nice car and new outfit okay <laughs> And TVs and sneakers and whatever, I had all those things. And then my home is a war zone. Kids with each other, me with my wife, everyone's fighting with everyone. Success or not success? No way, not in a million years. And then let's flip it. Now let's say I'm in a situation where I'm struggling financially, maybe you know, uh, haven't gotten that promotion or, or times are tough economy's tough for you, tough for me, can't get the promotion I'm looking for, whatever it is. But at home, my wife loves me, she supports me, she encourages me, and then my kids get along with each other, and they like me. All right. Success or not success? Success! You can see this if you go find someone who's in their last days of life, someone who is dying on their deathbed, what do they say? Bring me my bank statement so I can see it one more time. I want to see one more time how much money I saved. Show me the plaque from whatever conference that I present. Show me how great I am. Is that what people want when they're dying? They don't care about that stuff. Bring me my my sister. Bring me my friend. Let me see my kid just one more time. Life is about relationships. Life is not about accomplishments and we need to change the way of thinking. Said another way, you want a better life. Stop thinking in terms of how to do more and start thinking in terms of how to get more. Not how to do more stuff, but how to get more out of the stuff that's in my life. How to get more out of my relationships with my family, with my relationship with my friends, my relationships with my church. How to get more, because those are the things that add the quality of life. The accomplishments are the quantity. But the relationships are the quality of life. And you don't need to look very far to realize that the accomplishments aren't going to satisfy you. We live in a very accomplished country. In a very accomplished era. One of the most accomplished places in the country. Northern Virginia, outside of D.C. We're in Arlington. the Richest place in the whole wide world. But you also see that as a culture, we're lonely. We live in one of the most loneliest cultures. One of the most loneliest, one of the loneliest, like generations and eras ever. Where suicide rate is high, depression rate is high. Why? Because independence and doing it just by myself isn't the, the key to satisfaction. What is? Authentic community is. What is community? Here's how I want to answer this question. I want to answer it first in theory and then in practical. So first, let's discuss a theoretical answer to this. What is community? And then by the end, we'll see practically what does that mean for me and you and our lives. We look at Romans chapter 12, verse 5, where St. Paul says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We are members of one body in Christ. We are members of one another. The way that you look at it, think about this like I'm a logical person. I'm analytical. So here's my man Peter and here's my man meaning So I'm united to Peter. And I'm united to meaning In order for, if I'm united to him and I'm united to you, then by default you two are what with each other? United. united. A transitive property in algebra. Remember if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Remember that? Okay, I'm a math guy, sorry. So what can, the only thing that can unite you and you and you and you and you and you some are old, some are young, some are rich, some are poor, some are tall, some are short, some are friendly, some are mean, some are outgoing, some are not outgoing, some are basketball, some are rock concert. How can we all be united? There has to be a unifying force. And the unifying force is Christ. And if you are united with Christ, and you are united with Christ, then congratulations you're part of the same family. <laughs> just like my kids are united to one another through me. Not because of them, but through me. And when we come here to the divine liturgy and we partake of one body, just as that one body, we have one piece of bread and we break it into many, 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 many little pieces. And some pieces are big and some pieces are small. And some are this and some are this. Especially today, we had all kinds of variety of pieces. Okay, <laughs> Each one of them is just as important as the other. But each one of them gets their value and gets their worth from being part of the body. In and of itself, it is not valuable. But because it's connected to the body, then it is eternally valuable and infinitely valuable. And same with me and same with you. Each person who's a member of this body of Christ has eternal significance and eternal value, not because of who they are, but because of whom they are united to. One of the things that we pray in the liturgy, one of my favorite parts, is when the priest stands up and he says, that we may become one body and one spirit. How? Through our unity with Christ. If you unite to this table and I unite to this table, then we together are family. And because we are members of the same body, the body is not complete unless every single person in the body is in the body. Like, you can't take the bread and just pull a piece out of the middle and chuck it away and say that the body is complete. The body is incomplete. So you know what? As you look around here, you need one another. You need me and I need you. Every single person, actually let's do it. Look to the person next to you and say, you need me. Say "You Say you need me. Say you need me. Very good. Now look to the person next to you and go back and say, and I need you. That's kind of awkward, isn't it? <laughs> That's a little awkward. Yeah, Some guys are like, yeah, I ch- sat next to the right girl today. That's right. <laughs> it was a little awkward, okay? But this is the truth, is that we need each other. Because remember, it's one body. And if one member of the body isn't there, if you pull out one of my fingers, I can't say my body is complete. God designed for us to live in community, not independent. Look in the Old Testament. Throughout the entire Old Testament, not not entirely, not 100%, but 99% of the time, God's dealings was with the 12 tribes. And God dealt with them as a body, not as individuals. He did not deal with... Okay, so even when he speak to Moses, he say, Moses, go tell this to the people. And then God would speak to the prophets, go tell this to the people. Because God always dealt with people as a congregation. From the very beginning, he made us a congregation. New Testament, same principle, but not 12 tribes. Now we got the 12 apostles. And God could have easily trained up St. John, trained up St. James, trained up St. Peter individually. He could have, but that's not how he did it. He put them together. Why? Teach them to live in community. It's not just about loving me, it's about loving one another. And if you ignore the one another component of it, then you're missing half of the equation. After the after Christ uh, died, rose from the dead, and ascended to the heavens, in the early church, Acts chapter 2, which we're looking at as our model, I want you to read this passage about the early church, and I don't want you to look at specifics, but just try to understand the spirit of community that existed in the early church, and see, is this something that you see in the churches today, and can we achieve this? Look what it says. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread, from house to house they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What spirit do you get from that passage? What's the spirit of the early church? G- g- give me, give me, what, 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 what sticks out at you? Come on, yell something out. What sticks out at you? Give me the spirit of, com- w- give me, what, what, what do you sense from this? What was the early church look like? Like if you showed up at the early church, don't give me theology. Just tell me, what, what's the spirit, what's the vibe that you're getting here from this passage? What? Welcoming. Welcoming. Everything in common. Everything in common. They shared stuff. It's not like, is this your or mine? Like everything was together. What else? Selfless, very good. They sacrificed, they divided among all as anyone had need. What else? Huh? Simple, Simple, very good. That was this next one right here. They lived, look at this, look how beautiful this is, with gladness and simplicity of heart. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want? What I see here when I look at this, I see people that got together daily, hung out a lot. I see people who shared stuff as someone else said. I see people who broke bread from house to house, who hung out with one another in their homes, had meals together. I see people who were happy, who were joyful, who were simple, who weren't extravagant. It doesn't say how anyone had a really big house, okay, or had a really, really cool car, but it said they just lived simple lives and they were happy. They praised God, having favor with all the people. And then the part that I like so much it says, The Lord added daily. This gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all people. That's it. Raise your hand if you want this kind of life. Raise your hand. Who wants this kind of life? Who thinks that we can achieve this kind of life? Raise your hand if you believe that you can achieve this. I believe we can achieve it. Because we're not on our own, but we have the power of God with us. And through, we can do all things through Him who strengthens us, who is Christ. <clears throat> if our goal is to be a church that does great things. We have to be a church of community, because that's the church of Christ. And the flip of that, if we are a church of real community, when we throw limitless acceptance on top of authentic community, and we have a community, a real, vibrant, life-giving, loving community, and then we accept anyone into that community, I'm telling you, you're going to have to bar the doors to keep people from coming in this place. You have to beat people away with a stick because that's what everyone's looking for. There's not a soul alive today that isn't looking for that community. You may not realize that you need it, but you do. You know how I know know, I can say that with such confidence? And even look who's saying it. You know who I am? I am but those who know me are laughing. Okay, I'm not the like friendliest, like hangout. I'm 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 an introvert. All right, and some people would call me antisocial. Not antisocial, as much as like, I know it's hard to believe, but I struggle in big gatherings. That's that's just the way I am. You know, I can pretend, I can act, I can do the show, the song and dance. All right, but me, my favorite thing is, you know, I'm a quiet guy. Like you know, I like to kind of stay down low. But I need community. And my heart yearns for it. And I'll be honest with you. As we're starting this new church, one of the things that makes me, like, really motivated and excited is the community that I feel that we have. I feel we have, maybe because the church is small, it's new, and everyone's pitching in, and I feel like we got this. Like, anytime I feel like, you know, we need something, someone jumps in, pulls out their credit card and gets it. Or anytime I need something, someone jumps in, like, we have this right now, and it's really satisfying. And it feels really good. And I'm telling you that I need it just as much as y'all need it. Who was the first person who needed community? Jesus. Okay, Jesus is always the right answer, but first (laughs) He was asleep, and who's the Jesus. (laughs) Always the same thing. Just go with Jesus. (laughs) Okay, Adam is the answer I was looking for, okay? Because before there was sin in the world, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, before there was any sin, before there was any bad, before there was any evil, there was loneliness. And God looked from heaven and said, it is not good for man to be alone. So God gave him, help me. God gave him a little community. Right? The first community is that, that family, that family unit of community. And then eventually God built like a church community or I should say like a people of God community outside of that. Now some people would say, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Everyone needs community? What about monks? And nuns. Well, think about it. Monks have community. The majority of them do, because they live in a community just amongst themselves, just not with us. But just because not in community, I'm not saying everyone needs to live in Northern Virginia. But I'm saying that the majority of the monks and the monasteries they live in community with one another. They have their own cells, but then they have their own community time as well. So they do live in community with one another. And then the special exception of like the hermits. Okay, that is .00001% of the people in this world who God has called them to that life. That's great, more power to them, but we can't take the exception and change the rule. There's always exceptions, okay? It's like the thief on the right-hand side. We can't take him and say, okay, party up, okay, and enjoy your life, and just go thief on the right-hand side, just confess at the end. We don't take an exception and change the rule. The rule is that you should always be prepared to die, and the rule is that we need community. Now the reason why some of us don't believe we need community is because we've been burned by inauthentic community. Listen to that one again. The reason why some of us are like, no thanks on the community. I've had enough of it. Because you were burned by inauthentic, or insincere, or ingenuine, or backstabbing, or talking about, or gossiping, or whatever you want to call it, community. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because it's not the community that's bad, it's the authentic that was bad. But I believe that we can create authentic community. If I commit to being authentic in my relationship with you and you commit to being authentic with me, and we commit to being authentic with God and with one another, then you know what we have? We have authentic community. It can be done, ladies and gentlemen. Three specific ways, flip to the back of your handout, okay? In case you're still not convinced why you need community, why you need one another. Three things that we'll find in community. Number one, in community, we walk with one another. We walk with one another. And life, ladies and gentlemen, life is not a sitting, life is a walking. And many times in the scripture it says to walk in love or walk in the light, or as it says there in Colossians six two six. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Life is about walking. Life is a journey. If you are going to journey a short distance, I agree, go alone. But life is not a short journey. Life is not a sprint. Life is a marathon. And if you are going to run the race of life, you are most, you are best served by not going at it alone. There's an ancient proverb. It's a Chinese proverb. It says, when you run alone, you run fast. When you run together, you run far. Do you agree with that sentence? When you run alone, you run fast. When you run together, you run far. We've all seen it. New Year's Day, I'm going to work out, and I'm going to exercise, and I'm going to... The statistics say you are like eight times more likely to be long-term successful if you just get a partner. If it's that important for working out... Truth is, God never intended us to journey through life alone. Community is God's answer to loneliness. And when I say it's God's answer to loneliness, I'm not talking about marriage. All right? I'm not saying, come, let's get community, we'll all get married. Okay, That's not what I'm saying. Might be a nice like, side benefit, Okay, those who are single, it might turn out to be good for you. But community and marriage, you can be married and be lonely and be single and be in community. Agree? All the married people are like, amen to that one. <laughs> All the married people nodded their heads, okay? (laughs) Community is God's solution to loneliness because God knows when we're by ourselves, we are much more likely to quit. Second thing, in community, not only we walk together, we watch out for one another. In community, we are like If this community is functioning properly, we're a neighborhood watch for one another's souls. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 10, Two are better than one, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Maybe you've been in this situation, where you have fallen and been by yourself and had no one to pick you up. If you have, you know the value of having a partner. If you're in the military, you know the value of having a partner. If you're in any sport, a team, you know the value of having a partner that you can trust to watch your back. Let me ask you this question. Who's watching your back, spiritually? Who's watching your back? You have blind spots. Or you think you don't have blind spots? You have blind spots and I got blind spots. You got someone to watch your back or you don't have someone to watch your back? Because I got news for you, if you don't have someone to watch your back, you are be in trouble. And don't tell me, my father of confession, my priest, is watching my back. I'm not watching anyone's back. Okay? If you rely on seeing me for five minutes every Sunday, or seeing me once a year in confession, or once every six months say he's watching my back, I ain't watching your back. You need someone who can really watch your back. Someone who's part of your life, that you're living in community with, that can be there and say, hey, watch out. I see something that you may not see. <clears throat> tell a true story that I've told many times about my good friend Joe Razouk in the back okay Joe Razouk is not just a friend of mine he's like a brother to me and he proved his brotherhood one day he probably don't even remember the story it was at his high school graduation you remember that okay at his high school graduation ceremony not the ceremony I'm sorry the party okay it was at church alright and we're sitting together at the table and I'm gonna go up and give a speech cuz I'm the priest and I give a speech all right, so we're having dinner together, and at some point in time in the dinner, Joe he knows about like we had dinner, and he knows someone told me okay you're going to give the speech. So he knows I'm going to give the speech, so he kind of signals over to me. a, <laughs> So I'm like, he's like, <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? So he's like, you gotta, you gotta. and he hands me like a napkin or something like that and I took the napkin okay and I wiped and I had a big booger hanging out of my nose (laughs) and I'm really thankful that Joe my brother from that moment okay was watching out for me telling me I had a booger hanging out of my nose because if not I was about to go up on stage and give the speech and then I took a picture with every graduate okay you know what I mean and I got the thing and it would be engraved forever in memory so I'm thankful that I had somebody who's looking out at me saying, you got something hanging out your nose. (laughs) Do you have someone to tell you when you have a booger hanging out your nose? (laughs) You have someone to tell you when you're about to walk into something and you don't see it. We all have blind spots. We all have things that we can't see about ourselves. i got people in my life and I'm thankful for them to say, hey, you know what? You're not being patient. You're not. You say you're being patient. You blame everybody else. You're not as patient as you used to be. Something's wrong with you. And I may yell at them, and scream at them and tell them they're an idiot and then I go back to my room and say they're right and I'm thankful that God put those people in my life even though I hate them for a time I love them in the end do you have someone who can come to you smack you upside the head and say you're not doing it right you got something as a mistake here your enemy the devil has many people has many people on his team who are trying to trip you up He's got a legion of demons who are following you around. They know exactly your weak spot. And they're going to try to trip you. He's got a team working against you. Do you have a team working with you? Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12. A couple of verses down from that first verse. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Said another way, community is God's answer to defeat. Community is God's answer to defeat. Devil would love, 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 to keep you isolated. And that's what he does, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't he? When he gets us down and we want to run back, he says, no, 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 you can go to church. No, no, you are bad. Stay, stay. No, 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 don't, don't, don't tell anyone. Keep it to yourself. He would love to keep you isolated, because if he can divide us, he can conquer us. Because a house divided against itself cannot stand. devil would love, 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 to keep all the problems contained inside your head. No, don't tell anyone. As long as it's hidden in here, you will never ever find victory. Community is God's answer for defeat. Community, we walk together, watch out for one another, And third, we wait and weep with one another. For all the emotional people, I got you here on this one. It is inevitable in life that crisis will happen. Disasters, tragedies will happen. A lesson on sailing. Don't wait until there's a hole in the boat to find out where the life jackets are. Simple principle, right? Don't wait until there's a hole in the boat to find out where the life jackets are. And it's the same principle in life. Don't wait till the catastrophe comes, don't wait till you lose the job. Don't wait till you hear the negative result. Don't wait till you're in a waiting room all by yourself. You know, as a priest, one of the the worst parts of the job is the waiting room part of the job. There are just certain events in life that no one should be alone when they're at those events. Certain events you should not be alone. Waiting rooms, waiting to hear the results, is one of those places. And there are some people that have to spend those days alone. And then they look and say, and easy at that point in time, my sister doesn't care about me. My brother, the people at church, they don't care. And all those people don't care. Maybe if that person had invested a little more in community, then they wouldn't be in that situation. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. It says, We as the body of Christ We comfort each other. We edify one another, just as you are also doing. Community is God's answer to despair. You may think, I'm good. And you know what? You are good, now. But are you willing to bet that you're not going to have a catastrophe? And you're not going to face a situation that you can't deal with? Are you willing to bet that nobody in your family is going to get sick? That you never have a problem with your job? That your health is always going to be in top shape? Even Jesus himself said in the world you will have tribulations. He himself said you're going to go through hard times. Be smart and get a support network now even though you don't need it because you know it is inevitable that you will need it at some point in time. And you don't want to be the guy stuck in the hospital sitting by yourself. We need others to walk with us, to watch out for us, and to wait and weep with us. Is that easy to find? Easy to find friends like that? Is that easy to find? Like the kind of friend I just described. Is it easy to find that kind of person who will always be there to walk with us, always be there to watch out for us, always be there to wait with us when we need them? I believe we can find that friend. And I'll tell you exactly where to look. You want to know where to look? Look there look in the mirror because if you want to find that friend become that friend because you will attract what you are you will attract what you are if you are a good friend you will attract good friends if you are a jerk of a friend you will attract jerks of friends I've seen it time and time and time again you know it's like kids in high school and college you take this kid like the bad kids find a way to find each other don't they okay the kids who want trouble find a way to find each other And the kids who want this, they find a way to find each other. You attract, I didn't mean bad kids, I didn't mean, no, no one's a bad kid, okay? I didn't mean it that way. But I meant the kids who want certain things, they find a way to find each other. You attract what you are. And if you are someone who is always watching out for others, you will attract the same kind of friend. And if you're someone who couldn't care less about someone else, and all you care about is yourself, don't be surprised when your friends don't got your back. If you are quick to drop them, don't be surprised when they're quick to drop you as well. We need to stop complaining that others aren't this kind of friend for us or let's do it this way. Because the easiest person to blame is never friends but is the church. Okay? Let's stop complaining that the church is not like this and let's make the church like that. You're a part of the church like I'm a part of the church. Let's make the church full of people who wait with one another, who walk with one another, who watch out for one another and got each other's backs. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. This is what I always say. Of all the commandments in the Bible, this might be the hardest one, at least for me. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. You know why we never look at this as a hard commandment? You know why you have never thought of this as a hard commandment? Because you read it all the time and you have no, in your mind, not even 1% that you're actually going to fulfill this. You just look at it and say, put it on the list of things that is impossible. Because really, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but let me esteem you. You know what that means? Esteem others better than ourselves? That means if there's one cup of coffee here and I really want that cup of coffee, but I know she didn't have a cup of coffee, then I really, not just because I want to do it in front of people, i really rather her drink it than me. I don't need to make a big song and dance and show about it, okay? I'd really rather her have it than me. That we consider one another more than we consider ourselves. This ain't easy. But you know who had this? The Acts 2 church had this. I don't think when the people were coming and selling their possessions, they were doing it so everyone could say, Wow, you're great. You're the best. I think they esteemed one another better than themselves. Is this possible today? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, God wouldn't command it unless it was possible. But it certainly ain't easy. I started to think to myself, like, I I promise you, I'm I'm doing my best to not just say words, but like, I want to say what I mean. So, that's why this verse, look, is not in your handout. You know why it's not in your handout? Because I struggled whether to put it in or not. I, I, I didn't know. Like, can we really do that? Like, is that real? Is that practical? You know what I said? Started to think to myself. Again, those who know me, I like sports, OK? So started to think about it. How can I really, 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 I got your back 100%? Actually, let me do it this way, let me do a, a visible. So, I got your back 100%. And I got your back 100%. What's the only way I can do this? Have her back 100%. Somebody has your back. I'm trusting that he's got mine. I'm trusting you got mine. And that's the way it works in sports. Okay, I'm going to do my job and I'm going to trust you're going to do your job. Because if I try to do my job and your job, I'm going to do neither of the jobs. So, I'm going to get your back. And I'm going to trust that you got my back. And then you don't even know, you don't trust that he's got your back. And he's got your back. So, it takes a team. It takes teamwork. And that's what, one of the things that I've been saying as, we, as we're starting a church right here, is people are talking about like ministries and services and things like that. And the word that I've been using over and over is team. I'm not talking about ministries or, or services. I'm talking about teams. Because I'm a sports guy, I like teams. And I want us to be a team. And I don't want there to be a music ministry, I want there to be a music team. And I don't want there to be a set-up ministry, I want there to be a set-up team, a children's team. I want teams. Because you know what teams are? Teams say we stick together, we got each other's back. You are the quarterback, you're the running back, you're the coach, you're the whatever, we're a team. And as a team we may not have the same job, but we have the same mission and we're a team. We got each other's backs. We as a church got to be a team. And the only way that I can really do this is I got to trust you guys that you guys got my back. But I think we can do it. I think we can become a team. Practically now. Now I'm going to get to the practical. The verse at the bottom of your handout, up on the screen, was also read to us in the liturgy today. So once again, just like I talked to you all last week about the mother, last week was Mother's Day and it was the week we were talking about limitless acceptance. So I felt it was totally from God because who accepts us better than our moms? So God designed it. And this week, we're talking about authentic community and the verse that I wanted to bring, God brought today in the liturgical readings as well in the Pauline Epistle, Hebrews 10:24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, excuse me, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What the heck is that verse talking about? What is that verse asking us to do? What's the like the call to action in that verse? This verse is saying you should what? What does it say you should do? Yeah, I underlined it. Okay. Always go with the underline. Okay, that's probably the most important part. Assemble ourselves together. The first step of authentic community. I know it sounds overly simplistic, but it takes Like, we're not going to go from we just met each other outside in the coffee to being authentic community overnight. We're not. But we're going to do it step by step. What is the first step to having a real fellowship, community, loving one another kind of team? Assembling. Getting together. Hanging out. Spending time. I know it sounds overly simplistic, but it is really difficult to have community with people that you don't spend time with. It's really difficult to have community when you sit inside your room all the time. So what we're going to do is we are going to gather together. We're going to assemble together. And if you look at the early church model, there were two ways that they gathered together, or two places I should say. Where did the early church assemble together? The two places. It was in the verse that I got for you before, but it's not. I didn't bring it now. It's from the Acts two verse. Acts 2.44, I think I want to say. Two places. They gathered where? Temple and? Homes. homes. So they were together in one accord in the temple, and then from house to house. Temple, house to house. Temple is the large group gathering. House to house is a critical component where we spend time with one another. I know it sounds like such a foreign concept. We're going to spend time with each other. And through that, God will build our community. Now here's the best part of my my plan, or what I'm proposing. Because this is the best, best, best part. We are renting this place, so we only have it Saturday nights and Sunday. So we got nothing during the middle of the week. We got nothing on Saturday mornings, we got nothing on Sunday nights. So you know what? That's the best blessing in disguise. Because you know what the temptation would be, okay, we need people to get together. Okay, let's have a meeting in church. Okay, let's make a meeting on this day and this day and this day and this day. Well, that solve the community problem? No. Because what we need is not large group gatherings. We need people to get together, okay, and live life together. I know that sounds still like a foreign concept. So here's what I'm going to roll out today. A new concept, a brand new idea that I've been mentioning kind of throughout the, the, the weeks. All right, something new that is being launched today, May 20th. 2012, St. Timothy, St. Athanasius Church, something or other, uh, Arlington, Boston, Virginia. Ready for the idea? I wish I had a drum roll. Give me a drum roll. It is. Is. Ta-da! Life and Leisure Groups. No one's as excited as I am. <laughs> Life and Leisure Groups is an idea that again is not going to solve all the problems of the universe but is the first step to us building community. Life and leisure groups has two components. Life groups, leisure groups. And we're going to roll them out in phases. All right, Life groups is something that's going, like the first phase actually the leisure group. Let me describe what the leisure group is. The leisure group I know it sounds like a foreign concept, but it's basically whatever you do, just doing it together. It's the basic idea of an interest group. We're going to assemble on a website a list of activities that no one's asking you to do anything. I'm saying about the things that you normally do, like for example. Me and Peter like together get together and play basketball. So instead of I just call him and say, let's play basketball, how about we create a leisure group that says, hey, we're going to play basketball on Thursday nights at my house from 7.30 to 10, and we can take another uh, three to three to five more guys. OK, we need either three or five so we have even number of teams. All right, something like that. So it's not, I'm going out of my way. It's what we normally do. Lisa may say, um, I'm a Star Wars fan all right. and Star Wars is coming out on this day and I'm gonna go to the opening of Star Wars. Anyone who wants to come with me we're gonna meet at this movie theater at this time, we're gonna buy tickets, we're gonna sit together. Some people may say, hey you know what, we wanna go out to dinner, we're a young couple, we wanna go out to dinner with another couple. So you know what, on this Friday, we'd like to go out to dinner with two or three other couples in, in this area. You know, we're in Arlington, we're in Fairfax, we're in Herndon, we're in whatever. You, uh, some people may say, um, like I'm trying to think outside the box here. Uh, I'm a skateboarder. I'm a. Um, um, i am like to go to uh, nasty little hole-in-the-wall restaurants in D.C. That can be like a leisure group. You know, one Friday a month. It can be anything. And the idea is whatever it is that you do on it on a normal day-to-day, weekly basis, instead of doing it alone, open it up and say I'm doing this on this dot time. And it can be a one-time event. I'm gonna go hiking this Saturday with whoever. Or it can be a regular event. You know, the first Saturday of the month, I do this. Or every Thursday night for the summer. It can be whatever. The point is, it's whatever you do. It sounds like a great big thing, but it's basically whatever it is that you do, make it into a leisure group and invite others to do it. And then you, on the flip side of that, is you'll look through the list and say, you know what? I want to play racquetball. I wonder if there's any guys who play racquetball. I'm going to look through and say, you know what, Michael, so he likes to play racquetball at lunch, and he works in DC not too far from me. You know what? I'll sign up. And I've met Michael, and I've hung out with him. Temple courts, house to house. You see how it works? It's not a very complicated concept. And we got some, some papers over here. OK, we're going to give you these at the very end. What are these? Oh, yeah. At the very end, Peter will put them at the at, You can grab these at the door on the way out. OK, what these will do is give you a way. We're going to create an online and way to hand it out, uh, to, to submit online and things like that. But now we'll go paper and pen. If you would like, you have an idea of an activity that you'd like to do, go ahead, fill out the form and say, hey, you know what? I'd like to do this event. Uh, me and my kids will go to this park. Any mom who has kids this age will go to the park together. Submit whatever it is, idea that you want. As long as it's nothing crazy, we can do it. The point is we're living life together instead of us being isolated this will hopefully be the first step to some community that's the leisure group side the life group side okay which will be rolling out in a little uh, later on okay is more of what the activity formerly known as small groups okay but much different the same but different the same in concept but a little bit different we have a little bit different flavor that we want to put on it which is instead of so the idea would be that we would get together Centered around some kind of spiritual discussion or Bible study, so I would say, like Sherry would say, um, I want to study the book of Esther, all right? And I'm going to study it every Thursday. Me and these two ladies want to study it. We're going to study it every Thursday night for eight weeks. That's the key. Is the life group has sessions more like it's kind of like a semester system. So for the summertime, my schedule's kind of free. I'm free on Thursdays. I'm going to join uh, Sherry's group on Thursday nights. This time, this place, whatever. And someone else may say, okay, we want to be a men's breakfast thing. Okay, so you know what? We're going to do it Wednesday mornings, you know, for this eight week session. And then we'll also tie it in to like church stuff as well. That idea is still being formulated. But the point is the main thing about these life and leisure groups, they require investment from you. From us, I should say, not from you, from us. So they will only, your level of community will only be to the degree to which you invest your time and your energy into it. For some of us, the idea of community, like I said, we've been burned in the past, so we're hesitant towards it. But I'm challenging you today. I'm challenging you. Step outside your comfort zone whether you're old or young, whether it's your first time here, you've been here for weeks, doesn't matter. Step outside of your comfort zone and invest in community and you see what's going to happen. Your life will be changed, our church will be changed, and Arlington, D.C. will be changed. You know why? We agreed several times that we are not a church, we are a tidal wave. We do not want to be a church, we want to be a tidal wave that takes DC Arlington and makes every inch of DC Arlington covered under the kingdom of God. How do you make a huge impact on an area when we're all banded together as one body and one spirit? One person one time said, a snowflake in and of itself is pretty worthless, It's pretty weak. But when you put a bunch of snowflakes together, you know what you can do? You can stop traffic. Well, we, in and of ourselves, may not be much. But when we band together, we're going to stop some traffic here in Washington DC and Arlington area. And that's the challenge that I'm throwing out in front of you guys. Together, we are better than we are individually. Our first core value. Was limitless acceptance. We believe every single person that God sent us is the most important person in the whole wide world because they are son of the great king in heaven. Secondly, authentic community. We believe that God created the church to fulfill not just our spiritual needs, but He created to fulfill our relational and our emotional and our personal needs. And just as we do not want to be superficial in our relationship with God. We do not want to just be superficial in our relationship with one another. Challenging you here today, grab one of the forms, okay, and make sure, like brainstorm, see what it is that maybe you'd like to start a group. Maybe you don't feel like you don't want to start a group, but maybe as the groups start to pop up on the website, all right, and hopefully everyone's connected to the website, you'll start to see groups say, you know what, I'd like to join something like that. I'm challenging you to step outside your comfort zone and see what God can do when we are a community together. Okay, ladies and gentlemen? We can do it? We can. All right, let's stand up and say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, our dear Heavenly Father. We thank you for every person who's standing here before you and for letting me and every one of us stand here at this time. We know that you have a great mission here for our church. You promised it, and you've shown it time and time again. But Lord, we need to be united together as a team first. Lord, please use this this time before we launch to the community. Use it as a time where we really bond together, and we build our our unity together. Not unity based on on ourselves or on our interests, but unity based on our love for you, and our unity with you. Make us truly one body and one spirit with you, Lord. And then give us that same spirit that the early church had, that spirit of one accord, the spirit of sacrificing things for one another and looking out for one another and esteeming one another better than ourselves. Let us understand what these words mean, Lord, not just be something that we say, but something that's real and genuine in our lives. We pray from the bottom of our hearts that you would unite us together and you would make us one team united inside you. We ask this in the name of your only begotten Son, our Lord and our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints, especially Saints Timothy and Saint Athanasius. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.